This episode is our 100th total episode and is presented by Mass Music Radio. We've all been missing out on live music this year. I know I definitely have. And I think we're turning the corner to that happening sooner rather than later. But this Saturday, March 20th, 2021, Mass Music Radio is going to be bringing some of the best DJs and artists that Massachusetts has to offer right into your living room with The New Normal, which is an exclusive virtual music festival. Join the local radio station from 12 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time as they'll be providing you with nine straight hours of uninterrupted music in celebration of how the local Massachusetts music scene has been able to adapt to the pandemic over the course of the last year. The stream can be found on Mass Music Radio's Twitch account and may also be streamed on massmusicradio.com. Come join DJ Real P, DJ Snacks, Eden B, Miranda Ray, Matt Corman, Trevor Holmes, and so many more for a day filled with great energy and music. And without further ado, here is the 100th episode of the Turntable Teachers featuring Dev Soder. And welcome back. I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is officially back in session. And we are here with another guest speaker episode. And on this episode, I am joined by the one and only Dev Soder. He is coming through finally to the Turntable Teachers podcast. I know you've been gunning to get on here for quite a while. Just dropped his brand new EP, The Ditta Tapes. And uh, he's got a lot of great things going, doing a lot of amazing things out of North Shore, Massachusetts actually where I'm from too. So this is kind of like going home in a sense, Mr. Dev Soder. <laughs> and welcome to the show. Such a pleasure to finally get you on here, man. I'm really excited yeah. for this one. I'm excited to be here, man. I've been, we've been in talks for forever since before the Ditta Tapes, since before the Hills even. I mean, yeah, have just been supporting forever and I'm super excited to be here. And this episode is very special, not just because we got the man Dev Soder on this but also because this is our 100th episode in total. So again, I know it does not going to say episode 100 on here, but between our regular episodes with myself and Phoenix Rios and some of the ones that I've done on my own, and also uh, the guest speaker series and Right Mind, just all encompassing in total, this is the 100th episode. So you got some big shoes to fill right now for the for the big hundo. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Um, thank you so much for having me. And Congrats on 100 episodes. Thank you, man. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. It's really been great to see what you, I guess, would call a transition period, right? Because when we first met you or got acquainted, you had sent me P1 or P2 or whatever you were working on at that point, I yeah. think is what you sent. <laughs> and and you had more of like, a, I would say like an acoustic, almost like an alternative rock sound at that point. And I, and I was into it. And then when you dropped the hills, that's when I was kind of like, whoa, like that was for me what really kind of sprung like a huge interest in you. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, you know me. I did it all for you, but I went and I'm growing. Put the city on my back, cold winter snowed in. I gotta leave it now, need that water rolling. Running through the hills like I forgot something. Running through the hills and I won't stop running. I am really just kind of enamored with your sound and 
you know, I loved for you to describe it to, you know, our fans and your fans. And I really would love to just hear from you about your history with music. Like, how did you kind of get to the sound that you're at now? What were maybe like some of your early influences and sort of like, I know you're, you just recently learned guitar and things like that. So instrumentation is, is an important part of your sound. But, uh, you know, just talk to me a little bit about early influences in music and how you kind of were able to get to the sound that you're at now. Growing up, I had like a mom who loved like, really early pop like 80s and 90s like pop music um my dad loved metal and rock so that was like a cool genre twist but uh growing up with my like uncle he loved rap and hip-hop so that's being around all those genres it was really cool to um yeah it was cool to like experiment with them once i started actually making my music uh some big inspirations are definitely jesse rutherford i've said this everywhere um he's definitely my favorite artist just because of how unique his sound is um he definitely has like that nostalgic modern sound which is really weird to put those two together but i tried to um accomplish that with this project and i feel like it worked out pretty well for me at least when i listen to it it's very nostalgic to me obviously because i like wrote it a while ago but besides that it's been really it was really cool getting to hear some of jesse in my own music because i started hearing it a little bit it's it was really cool yeah no i I think you you definitely have a really awesome i think nostalgic is a good word for it you have almost like a a mix between like indie pop psychedelic even a little bit of hip-hop as well even maybe a little bit of funk too i think you you definitely kind of are able to blend it all in um so again like where where i guess we can talk about your brand new tape the data tapes you know talk to me a little bit about the creation of this this project and writing it and and sort of the inspiration that went into this project. Yeah. So, uh, all of it was written literally right here. I mean, right in my room, this is my room right here, but, um, the process of writing it, I mean, I was writing Hills right before I had a studio session with my friend, Mike, and he walked in right as I finished up the chorus. So you could hear like a door slam in the original vocals, like the raw vocals, but we ended up getting that taken out. Um, but yeah, it all stemmed from Hills. And after Hills, Tyler, who is my manager. Um, Shout out Tyler Donovan. Yep, Tyler Donovan. Uh, we ended up meeting up and that's when I started actually working on the project, which is, it just all worked out perfectly. Because I met Seth, who's also on the project, the China Blue. Shout out China um, Blue. We ended up making Shaking Bodies together. And then after Shaking Bodies was made, I think that was the second song we made for the project. And then we made careful and then brainless too fast and then five leaf clover and it all was just very uh it was just a smooth process it was really weird for me because it usually takes a while for me to get into like a um get motivated to write i mean it's difficult for me that's something i do need to teach myself more so do you find like the like creation of like making the music that's a little easier for you than it is to actually write the songs yeah absolutely Uh, 100%. So Hills was the song, I think, that first kind of garnered you a lot of attention. It was the song that really, like, stood out to me when you you had first dropped that. You had a great music video for it. It made our top 20 Massachusetts songs of 2020, (laughs) coming at number 14. So congratulations for uh, for making our list. And uh, when when you made that song, did you know that would be the one that would kind of kickstart this journey that you've been on over the last few months? Or... Uh, did you really, is it, was it a bit of a shock to you? 
when I initially made it, yeah, I thought it was going to like take over the world for some reason. <laughs> but obviously that was like back when like that was my first good song, honestly, to me, in my opinion. I think Hills is definitely my first good song. Um, and then looking back on it now, I would have never imagined that Hills would be like the one, I guess. Um, probably because I've heard it a million times. But I mean, there's just my favorite song on the project is Too Fast. So it's like that's the one I thought was just going to take over. <laughs> But it was cool that everything happened the way it did. I wouldn't have changed it anyway if I could go back. So Too Fast is your favorite song, you would say? Yeah, I love for, that song. For, just for the, what reasons? Um, The production. I just, for some reason, the very heroic sounding production. Because that's just something I hung on to with this whole project was I wanted to... I, I took a lot of influence from the fray too as well. Uh, back Going back to the influence uh, question. But yeah, Too Fast just meant a lot to me i guess yeah like i like the sort of message behind too fast where um it, it's almost like that you're going on this trajectory right and it's oftentimes i think when we're so enamored with like something that we really want or something that we really want to strive for it's important to kind of slow down a little bit and like just take a breather and I just love your vocals in the chorus. I'm just trying to help you. I think you're moving too fast. Like I, I love that. <laughs> shit. You sing it a lot better than I do, of course. But <laughs> I, I <laughs> but I, I thoroughly enjoyed just like I, I know you say writing it, writing the songs is difficult for you, but it, it doesn't sound it to me. It sounds very effortless because I, I love some of the sentiments that you had. Uh, especially on a song like Too Fast where, and then of course you got all the really the nostalgic sort of electric guitars and you know, you're very uh, warped, drowned out vocals and, and things like that. So I, I really thoroughly enjoy the sound of this and, and everybody, you absolutely should check out the Dita Tapes. We're gonna definitely link it in the description here uh, for sure. Uh, so where did you record the whole thing? Did you record it at a studio or was it actually in your bedroom? Yeah, so um, I actually recorded the whole thing in my bedroom. Like oh, wow. the vocals, the guitar, the, I use like a little drum pad that I have like, right. I have this little drum pad that I used on like all of the drum patterns for the, um, or all the drum stems for the project. Everything was just very closed in and isolated. And I feel like that's why it gave off that like acoustic airy sound, mm. but it's like perfect. Cause that's what I was trying to go for. So when we were off air, you were telling me a little bit how you feel like you found your sound. And has that been something that uh, for you has been sort of just a weight off your shoulders to fig like finally have that? Or um, are you still kind of like looking to refine it? Like talk to me a little bit about like where you're at now with your sound in this transition period that you were uh, that, that you feel like you're in. Um, honestly, yeah. I mean, I found a sound. I'm very like, I, I don't want to use like that kind of gimmicky term genre bending, but I mean, I just love all genres. I'd like to tap into a bunch of different things like throughout my career. So, I mean, yes, I love this sound and I think it is like my sound, but I, th I do think I have to just get more uncomfortable just so things freshen up and things don't sound like the same over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of ironic too when you think about that, right? Because I like I feel like it's almost a relieving thing for you to have finally honed in on something that worked, but then at the same time, it's like you don't want to get too comfortable and box yourself in with something like that because you want to actually experiment. I think that's the beautiful thing about being an artist is not quite ever being satisfied, right, with like what you're putting out and what you're doing. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, 
I'm trying to figure out the words to put it. I mean, it's cool having a sound that people know you for. Finding your sound is that it's like good and bad because you don't want to like overdo that specific sound. Well, I honestly think that it's a beautiful thing that you're able to find your sound and and not like like not you said like not find your sound but find a sound. I think that was a good way to put it, right? Because you don't want to box yourself in as an artist. I'm the exact same way as a podcast. Like I don't want to be one dimensional. That's just not something I ever am like in the interest of being. So in terms of like the musicality, I think that you've found something that works. And I think we were talking a little a little bit off air too about how the sound that you're doing, it's not that it's not popular right now. It's just there's not a lot of, because it is, I think it's a sound that a lot of people are gravitating towards. Or a lot of listeners are starting to gravitate towards, but it's a sound that a lot of artists aren't like able to really hone in on as much. So, and again, like, like you said, the genre bending, blending sort of thing uh is it's big right now and 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 i think that's a beautiful thing of like not being able to pinpoint a genre even even as i was reading uh jacob salzberg who shout out big shout out to him he's a writer over at ear milk when i was reading uh his write-up about the data tapes on ear milk how many different types of genres he was talking about and and like words he was using we'll link we'll link that uh, article in the description too for you guys to check out it's a really good one and uh, a very a very good description of dev's sound but, you know, and that's I think that, again, that's the beautiful thing about an artist like yourself who like, yeah, you're, you know, you're not a rock artist. You're not a pop artist. You're not a hip hop artist. You you're able to encompass all these different these different blends and different sort of, uh, uh, you know, sounds. So that's a really cool, um, really, really, really happy for you. And just I'm glad that you're able to finally have found a, a place for yourself that you seem to fit and um, and something that's working. So. Congratulations, and the project's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, a really cool opportunity I got to um, experience is I got a once to watch right up, and they, oh. uh, I think they uh, said that my music is jazz, blues, rock, and pop all in one sentence. It was just really weird. Like <laughs> that was that was a really cool opportunity. But um, also just being able to basically do what I want now. I mean, music wise, obviously, um, be able to go in whatever direction that I feel is comfortable or appropriate from what I want to do in the future. Well, yeah, you want to make music for yourself, right? I mean, you are making music for other people, like other consumers, but you want, you want to make it music that you enjoy, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we have a lot in common is that we grew up in basically the same area. And for those people that are listening, whether you're in Massachusetts or nationally or even somewhere around the world, Dev grew up in Salem, Massachusetts. And yes, that is the Salem, Massachusetts, where all the witches happened or whatever. And I grew up in Danvers. Okay. And Danvers is right next to Salem. And Danvers used to be a part of Salem back in the day when the witch trials actually happened. I now teach the crucible in my classes. So that's like a whole cool (laughs) thing. Nobody on this podcast cares, but that just gives you a little bit of a context of where Dev's from. And so Dev, I want to like talk to you about the North shore of Massachusetts, man. Uh, What's it been like for you growing up in in Salem and, and North shore and give me some like positives and, and negatives of uh of you kind of growing up in, in that area i mean it's like it's diverse in every aspect so that was definitely a positive i just learned so much about different cultures different i mean everything 
because we're so accepting here, I feel like it's not very clicky. It's a really nice home. I mean, just the people here are very, are awesome. And um, I, I don't know many negatives. I mean, a lot of the rotaries are useless. <laughs> um, I live on, and also I live on the um, same street as the Hocus Pocus house. So that's cool. Oh, shit. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Any Halloween. Like, yeah, I would say that's, the, you say there's no negatives about Salem. I think there's one negative about Salem driving Halloween to, <laughs> driving to Salem. Well, no, it, it's not a negative because like if you if anyone that's in Massachusetts or if, like world, worldwide, like people do travel to Salem like in October. It's like a thing. And yeah. And the crazy thing about Salem is you cannot drive to it in October. Like there is one way in Salem and one way out and you, and it's just the the traffic is always just insane. So that that is the one I guess the one drawback of Salem is was, yeah, yeah. I used to work as a delivery driver at the Wolf, and during October it took me about forty five minutes to drive through like downtown. Just how terrible the traffic is, the lights, the because we have like those uh, the push buttons obviously to oh, for the yeah. crosswalks, and it would just go off every light. So I would be sitting at a light for at least like ten minutes. Oh yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. You worked at you worked at the Howling Wolf. Is that is that what I just heard? Yeah, I was a delivery driver for the Howling Wolf. I love that job, honestly. Were you really? Yeah, Bro. it was a. I. You probably I delivered to, me food at some point. <laughs> most likely, honestly, it's it was such a fun job. Like the coworkers too, and I used to just get be able to eat food every day from the Wolf. So that was awesome too. Oh, best best Mexican food around. I I like will go to my grave. No pun intended with the Halloween thing. Um, they'll mm-hmm. go to my grave saying that the Howling Wolf has <laughs> the best Mexican food in the North Shore and best Mexican food that I've ever had. Uh, Howling mm-hmm. Wolf's got legit legit stuff. No, it's that's that's funny. I and like I said, just different things that we, uh, you know, we had the Hocus Pocus house. I mean, it's just stuff like that that. I think when you're growing up in that area, it's like, it's just kind of like, oh, like there it is. Like in some, and then it's amazing to see people come like from all over the world to like be in Salem. You know what I mean? Like, I think living there, we almost take it for granted a little bit, but. Yeah, absolutely. I've never been on a Salem tour, like ever. (laughs) I just, you know how we have like those witch tours? Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like that's just a touristy thing to do though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I don't know many people that have actually done the tour of Salem either. Yeah. And then like the witch houses. <laughs> yeah, all the witch houses and all that. Yeah, so yeah, that's where we grew up. Uh good old North Shore of uh of Massachusetts. And another great thing about the North Shore is I don't know if you're a fan of roast beef, but the roast beef three way, have you ever had one of those bad boys? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have. Bill and Bob's. Bill Bob. <laughs> so I'm more of like a Supremes guy, Danvers, because I think everybody like liked their sets, you know, their set one. But um yeah, if if you uh if you think Kelly's uh, roast beef is roast beef. You're 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 tripping. If that's not that's not roast beef. I went on I went on another podcast, uh, Bruise Beats and Eats. Shout out to them, and they do a really cool uh, say old head Ed. He does a really cool segment where he gives you like rapid fire. Like he's like, oh, do you like uh, like what's your favorite type of music? Uh, he calls it like the big three: favorite favorite uh, artist or album or whatever and then uh favorite beer and then favorite food and favorite food for me was the was the roast beef three-way so mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm sure no one i'm sure no one from florida knew what the heck that was no no go ahead try, I, I forget where i was but i try to i think it was a 
Philly cheesesteak. I don't think anywhere else makes Philly cheesesteaks the way that we do either. They have like the ground beef instead of like the actual shaved steak. Yeah, and then like you go to like yeah, it's funny how certain places have that because then if you go to like I've been to Philly and I've had a Philly cheesesteak and it is way better than any cheesesteak I've ever had. So it's like I they they are right to own it and call it the Philly cheesesteak. Like you know what I mean? It's pretty funny. But back to the music side of things, uh, who are you who are you listening to now? Like what's like what it, what inspirations are you drawing from? Like which what type of music do you normally just listen to like as a listener? Definitely a lot of like the Dominic Fike esque artists. Mm. I mean that indie rock is definitely coming back and I love it. Omar Apollo's like you said, still woozy. We talked off air about uh still woozy and all them. Um the neighborhoods still. Ooh. And there's this new artist, uh Milo. I really love his sound. Uh I'll have to send you his music. He's Please do. he's amazing. He's like this um he's like a synth pop kind of artist and his voice is just so soothing and his melodies are amazing. <laughs> His choruses and everything. Well, that's one of the things you and I have talked a lot about Dominic Fike and Dominic Fike for me, he, that, that's why I like him so much too. Cause he's able to hit so many of those cool melodies and, and really like hone in on that. But also like you mentioned, I think the versatility of a Dominic Fike is really profound. And, um, I love still woozy as well. He's, he's fantastic. Omar Apollo is a guy that I've listened to, but I need to dive into a little bit more of his discography. Like, I heard him originally the first time I had heard him, which I think is, is bad on my part, but was on that new Joji record, which was another fantastic album. I love that Joji album. But um, I went back and listened to some of his stuff. And he's got some like very good, like cool, like lo-fi melodic um, sounds, too. But I want to like dive a little deeper into his discography and, and see what else he's got. But Milo is like, an artist that I still need to listen to as well. So, yeah. And uh, Still Woozy and Omar actually worked together on a song called I'm not sure what it's called, but it's just hit both of their abilities. I mean, everybody that I've named, their abilities to kind of, they create their own genre in a sense to where they bend or blend genres together so effortlessly. So it's really cool to see how that's becoming like a, a trendy, not, not maybe not trendy, but like it's on the rise. I mean, yes, I'm excited to see where it takes them. Yeah, definitely a sound that's, I think, on the rise for sure. No doubt about that. There's a lot of potential, I think, with that direction of music. Um, I think there's definitely um, like a desire for it from from listeners' perspectives. Yeah, and it also, I really like what they're uh, this new group of artists are doing. I feel like it gives the artists more uh, access to their own creative control because it's like this stuff wasn't really that big a couple years ago. I feel like pop and hip-hop were like the main genres and now it's everything's kind of just blending in it's really cool to see i almost feel like it's gonna it's gonna beg for more creativity in that mm -hmm. way you know what I mean? when you're able to like blend in uh genres that you wouldn't think would go together so you have your atherlace label with as you mentioned a little earlier with tyler donovan and uh seth who's or aka the the china blue and you guys are really a, a cool, I think, indie sort of movement that's happening in this in Massachusetts right now. Uh, how did Atherlace come to like fruition? Like who started that? Like, was it all you guys just coming together or um, was it something that uh, someone kind of started and people jumped onto? So Tyler actually started Atherlace as a graphics company. It was, own, it was his own like personal business. And then he started 
getting into the music scene because he was doing cover art for different music clients. And it was his work is amazing. He actually did the Hills cover art oh, okay. and the brainless cover yeah. art. Yeah. Um, he ended up managing Seth a while after creating Atherlace and he turned it into like this really cool collective for just like artists to one work together and reach out to each other. I mean, a couple months after he ended up managing Seth, he, we started talking cause I started like in the music scene, mm-hmm. I made Hills and I ended up sending it over to him and he loved it. We ended up meeting up and yeah, that's kind of the story with, him managing me <laughs> we kind of just met up one day at prince of pizza and <laughs> yep. um yeah prince of pizza's that place is amazing on, we talk about it all the time over on route like one just, yep yeah we yep. go back to that place or not go back to that place but we always talk about how uh this all started in a prince of pizza <laughs> <laughs> i love that yeah probably yeah, the, probably no, the so best thing got, probably the best thing to happen in a prince of pizza honestly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, we ended up, uh, Tyler's my manager now, and then we got, we have, uh, three other artists that I'm really excited about that, uh, joined Atherlace, and it's just a, it's really weird thinking that it's only been six months. Like, I feel like it's been like a couple of years for (laughs) some reason. It's just like so much has happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that too, because when Tyler and so when Tyler and Seth first came on the podcast, they were actually helping me with an episode, uh, the episode I came out, uh, how COVID-19 has like affected the music industry. And that episode kind of happened actually on an accident, which that's an interesting story I won't get into right now. But um, (laughs) weirdly enough, I don't even remember how exactly it happened, but I think maybe Tyler like, and I had been talking. He maybe he reached out to me. I can't quite remember what it was, but either way, I wanted to interview people that were in the scene or like not only in the scene, but like in the music industry, like about how it's affected it. So I didn't really know Tyler that well. I didn't really even know Seth that well either. And I think I had only heard maybe like one of Seth's songs and they came on and we had an amazing conversation. It was awesome. Uh, They're all over that episode, like little tidbits that they had. So go check that out. A lot of just like, honestly, for any artist, any independent artist, that episode is just like straight free game. So just go check that shit out because it's not, not pat myself on the back by any stretch, but like, it's just free game for any indie artists that are looking to expand themselves and their brand. But both came out with just some incredible tidbits and even some stuff that they think that you guys are working on that he wanted, they wanted to keep hush hush. But not only that, just great human beings and people that I stayed in touch with. And of course, China blue or Seth came on the show again for his guest speaker episode, right around the time when afford it came out, which was again, another song that uh, made it onto our top 20. So Atherlace was all over our top 20 Massachusetts uh, songs and of 2020. And then uh, Tyler's been sending me all these new artists that you guys are working with too. Like, uh, so, so is it North 19 or is it North X I X? Or... Um, it's North XIX. He's a super talented, like he's like a hyper pop punk kind of artist. Mm. He's like, it, it, it's very distinct blend of those two genres. It's, but he has like his own sound to it. It's very strange. Mm. I don't know how to explain it, but I love his music. I'm really excited to like work with him. He's awesome. And then I've, mm-hmm. I was listening to one of his new songs that Tyler had sent me. Um, and then Luke Kiernan is the other one, correct? Yeah, that kid's something. I've believed in him for so long <laughs> since my first project that's now deleted has been out because he was on Falling. 
Oh. On sunburn. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. I was I was gonna ask you about that. What, what, what was what was up? Because when you were first originally reached out to me, you sent me P one or P two, maybe both, and mm -hmm. I think I put on P one, and now it's gone. What's up with that? Uh, I don't think that sunburn or P one P two really fit the sound I was trying to go for. I don't. Th I feel like it was like those stepping stones to becoming what I am right now. I just. Uh, they are up on SoundCloud, I think. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but I felt like I needed to move past that to get to where I am. I don't want to be stuck. And I felt stuck in that kind of sound that I was in. Gotcha. Interesting. So it's almost like almost like a rebranding for you in a way. Yeah, it was like a fresh start. It was it was something that I felt was needed. Yeah, I mean, and clearly, like I said, the Dita Tapes is doing fantastic. So I guess it was, it's and it's, a, I think, a... a a sort of step in the right direction for you. Uh, so as a label, like what's your guys's sort of like, I want to say end game. Cause that just makes it seem like, you know, there is an end to it, but more like what is your guys's mission now? Like now that you kind of starting to put these pieces together and sort of lay the foundation and groundwork, uh, where do you guys look to see after lace going? Um, technically we're, we're well, not technically we're not, necessarily a label we're more of like a uh, collective yeah we're a collective that just like partners with artists we want to see them reach whatever potential they want to get to i mean it's a really cool team we have um and i think me and tyler were talking about this on xbox our five-year plan <laughs> we were playing warzone talking about our five-year plan we want to create a label an independent label where we can sign artists that we genuinely love and just, yeah. I'm really excited to see where it takes us. Yeah, you, you want to, I think, work with like-minded people. I think that, and then that's the same thing with like, again, our platform is the same way. Like, you know, working with like-minded artists, like all you guys and everyone else that we, uh, you know, work with as well. It's it's really, I think that's an important, uh, important thing at this, especially in this day and age. I think collaboration is the best and also I think fastest way too. I mean, there's other ways to do it, but I think that's a really great way to grow your your own brand and is is to branch out and work with other people. I think, you know, that's the beauty of what we have as social media, you know? Yeah, it's um collaboration is definitely important. Uh that's something I had a problem with right after I dropped the Dita tapes actually. Um because that whole project was completely produced by me. So it was really weird having to go to producers and like working with them because it would be a sound that I don't tech, like really want on a uh, song and I would just pick it apart in my brain, but I would just keep it there just so I didn't seem like rude saying I don't like that, mm -hmm. but I'm getting better at um, explaining what I want with production and working with people also. Are you, yeah. Are you see, well, it, you know, that's, that's an interesting point because, and I think too, you have to think of it from this perspective too. It's not necessarily that you don't think you don't want to work with people, but your music's your baby, right? And like, you yeah. don't want to put it in someone else's hands. I think I have that same, I had that same issue for a long time with the podcast as well, where it's like, but it's funny ever since I started putting, like having people in and helping out is when it started to really take off is, or, 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 or it's not, it shouldn't take take off, but like where it's gotten to now is wouldn't have happened without me allowing people to collaborate with me, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. It gives you a, um, 
gives you a wider reach. I mean, you're obviously getting their fans to listen, but it's also working with Seth, honestly. He was the first person I ever collaborated with, like, no together, like, oh, wow. in the same studio. Obviously, there was Luke Kiernan, but um, in person, me and Seth just made two or three songs, and it, there's just some sounds you can't get without another person there. Hmm. There's just some sounds that only certain people can make. Um, mm. Like, Seth definitely molded a lot of my sound for the Ditta tapes, just working together with him, and he switched my mindset, taught me so many things about Logic. So that was, collaborations are definitely important. Yeah, because then you start to learn not only more about, like, how to work with other people, but like you had just said, like, you pick up on skills. Like, people, because people know shit, right? <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, you have to humble yourself and in two, I think it goes in two ways. You have to humble yourself in order to get to that space, but you also have to like not be so worried to or like anxious to work with other people as well. So it's like there's two sides to that. I think with people don't often think about where there's the ego part, which however you like measure that is different for certain people. But then on the other flip side of that too, it's like oh, am I gonna like work okay? Like the anxiety of it, like am I gonna work okay with that? Like am I gonna be somebody that, you know, am I going to say the wrong thing or whatever? Like, I, I think of that way all the time. It's like, I think just this past year has brought out the, the anxiety in all of us, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it was there for me already. So it just <laughs> is what it is. But <laughs> yeah, same for me. I think it's just like, not that we're on like any type of really strict lockdown. I mean, we can go out to eat, but I mean, it's like the mindset that I was put into mm-hmm. since this whole COVID thing happened. It's just, it's definitely gotten me more overwhelmed than I was obviously pre-COVID. But even at the start of this, it was like a nice break, but then it turned into like eight months. (laughs) So now it's just very repetitive. Days feel a little bit shorter. I mean, I'm very overwhelmed and anxious lately, especially because of everything that's been going on. I mean, the project dropped. It's not bad anxieties for the most part, but... Mm. Well, it's been close to a year now, which is insane yeah. when you think about that. And like what we've all been subjected to for the last year, it's just, it's mind blowing that it's gotten to this point. And, you know, I, you're right. It's, it's, it, it, it's not exactly like the physical restriction of it. I think it's like, you're right. It's the mental sort of like, cause we've now been conditioned to sort of act in this way for this mm-hmm. last year. So now it's sort of breaking that mold again, getting back to whatever, or like hopefully this summer, I think will be the, will be when we kind of can get back to quote unquote normal. But, you know, it's it's like, what is going to be the residual effect of this pandemic? I was really talking about this with one of my students today. It's like, I don't think we've seen the residual effects of this pandemic yet because we're still kind of technically, we're at the tail end of it, I think. I hope. Yeah. But I like, hope we're, so. <laughs> me too, seriously. Um, but... And that must be difficult for you to see too, because I think you've had a lot of successes this past year, right? I mean, would, would, would you agree that you've had a lot of successes? Because I think you have. Yeah, it's been really cool. It's been a really cool half of a year. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited but, for it. Oh, absolutely. But then at, on the other breath too, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm having all these successes, but yet there's still this, this just kind of like, I don't know. It, it's hard to, I guess, like you said, it's very hard to explain, but there's just this other like, not aura but this energy that's out there right now like because of this pandemic it's it, it's the pandemic as well it's 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 whatever surrounding it but it's of course like the sort of 
anxious, negative energy that has been associated with it for the last year too. It's like, how do you, balancing that is hard, I think. It's almost like I don't get to reap the benefits of everything that's been going on. I don't get the live shows, um, but it's cool to see how Spotify has, and like all these different streaming services have um, switched around their roles to this whole COVID thing now. Uh, mm-hmm. Just different like ways of marketing different artists, ways of right. just, I feel like it honestly helped a lot of artists, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it, um, and in a way, like you said, I think it, it has definitely hindered some artists, but it also has helped others as well. I think you're somebody that has definitely uh, seen the benefit of it in a sense, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you've been able to accomplish in your in like you said, just about a six month window. Um, has all of this attention is it is it uncomfortable for you? I kind of get the sense it's a little bit like it, that. That's been something for you that's been a tough part to sort of navigate. Um, yeah, uh, like, I'm, all right, so like I said, uh, before the anxiety part, um, I suffer from very severe anxiety, and just all of this, I guess, attention, the whole, that whole thing, it's really overwhelming, I feel like I have to, I can't make mistakes, and especially when the cameras are on, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's, like, I have to watch what, not that it's ever been a problem watching what I say, but I mean, it's just the thought process behind if I make the wrong move or say the wrong thing. It's very, it's, it's scary. I mean, yeah, it can be, de- I mean, dude, anxiety can be debilitating. It's one of the, like, it's it's one of those things where it's so hard to explain and yet it can be one of the most debilitating things. Like, I mean, I mean, I've talked about it a few times on this, on this podcast, so I won't, you know, I don't think anyone's gonna be shocked by me saying this too, but like, it's something. I mean, I wouldn't call mine severe, but it's definitely been something that's hindered me. I would say over you know the course of my life, and I would say it's something I've dealt with for at least the last ten years, if not longer than that. I think it, it's interesting because I think when I was in high school, I, I definitely was had it and I, and I had anxiety, and I, I didn't, but I don't think I understood quite what it was, you know. And yeah. now I think, and I think the last. I'd say the last seven years for me, really since I was 20, is when I really started educating myself on what it was. And then the last seven years has been sort of like, I don't want to say fighting it, but sort of uh, just, again, navigating it, trying to figure out like how it can actually help me and then how to get rid of it when I don't want it. And that, again, it doesn't exactly, it's not a perfect science. It's still something I'm working through. I think anybody with a mental health problem is it's just one of those things you just it's something that you have to consistently work through and I hate to hear though that you can't you feel like you can't make mistakes and I and I I hate when I or it makes me upset when I hear my students say stuff like that because I don't understand where that mindset like I and I it's funny that you're saying that though because there was a time where I felt the same way and now I'm in this position where it's like I'm seeing that the the effects of that mindset right where it's like yeah go ahead um so i know that i can make mistakes it's just like a everybody makes mistakes it's just like a human trait but i mean it's just like the thought that it's going to be broadcasted to uh like a weird amount of people i mean it's weird to me like that um this many people are just listening to me (laughs) it's very strange um Cause I never thought it would happen. I mean, I always wanted it to happen, but now that it's like a thing, it's like, 
it's different. It's a transition that I have to get comfortable with and I have to get used to. Um, and then with the whole COVID thing, uh, going back to that, a lot of my anxiety happened and I learned a lot about myself and my anxiety through COVID. I mean, being alone in your room for a couple months, it's, it definitely takes a toll on me. (laughs) Yeah. It can be debilitating. And it's also, you know, like you said, though, it's, it's one of those things where you're in a vulnerable state. It's, it's a vulnerable place to be, uh, in the limelight, so to speak, or like when, you know, tens of thousands of people are listening to you on Spotify, right. And, and, you know, people following you on Instagram and social media. And it's, it's a weird thing. It's a weird time. We live in, we live in, we live in strange times, but we live in good times. I, but to say that they're not, that one is not without the other, I think is, uh, would be incorrect to say, but also, um, you're right. It's, it's really been, I think for everybody, it's been an opportunity for people to kind of slow down and take a, like a close look at themselves a little further. And I've done a lot of self-reflection this past year too. I completely like agree. I think it, it allowed me to refocus a little bit and figure out, okay, like, what do I really like about myself? What do I dislike about myself? What can I change? What can, what I, what can I not change? What should I stop worrying about? Like, I can't change that. So why stop? Why worry about it? And it, it, it's, it doesn't make it easier to, I think, have those moments. But at the same time, it it's just kind of coming to the acceptance, I think, is enough sometimes. And just knowing you're going to be okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, exactly. it's, you know, that it's not, it's not a life or death situation with when it comes to anxiety. Yeah. It definitely takes some convincing, but it's always something that you get over. So, I mean, well, for me, at least personally. Yeah, no. And I mean, and not, and not to belittle anxiety because it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's a hard thing that a lot of people suffer from again, me, me being somebody that does. And, um, I just think hopefully that if we can like put more of an emphasis on mental health and maybe more normalize it, I think would be, I think the important part, I think a lot of artists are starting to talk about it in their music, right. Or express it in their, um, express it in their paintings or, you know, whatever, whatever kind of art people do. And that's why I think, you know, like we were talking a bit, a little, a little off air about sort of this, this music industry and how it's sort of like tends to drive artists down or drag them down per se. Yeah. But we, for a, um, uh, basically this past year, we turned to artists, whether it be you know, music or movies or, you know what I mean? Like that was who we turned to when we yeah. needed them the most. So it's like, you know, it's important for, I think I'm glad to see artists talking about it a little bit more because I, hopefully it becomes a normalized conversation like we're having right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah, absolutely. you're ang- you're anxious. I'm anxious. We're all anxious. We're all fucking yeah. anxious. We're all we're all fucking anxious wrecks. <laughs> I know, for real, it's a, uh, it's it's really cool to see how vulnerable people have been getting too in their music. Definitely I, not like Charlie XCX. She did drop the um. Ooh, I like Charlie XCX. Her She's good. album was amazing. Uh, it just had a lot of vulnerability in it. I mean, even in I think it was called CX 2.0 or I think it's just called 2.0. Um she just talks about missing her friends. And I was like, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> like just being able to like understand that stuff. It's, and it was very like straight to the point. I feel like a lot of artists are getting into like that kind of, um, 
artistry. I mean, straight to the point, actually expressing. And there's so much vulnerability throughout this whole situation we've all been in. So it's cool to hear other people much bigger than me feel the same way. Yeah, because again, like I said, it, it not, not only normalizes it, but then it, it comes to like you come to that realization where it's like artists are people like yeah. actors are people like we're all human beings. We all feel these things. And uh, it's it's not it doesn't make you less of a person or, you know, anything like that to go through them. And, you know, I feel like at this point, if someone said like, oh, I, I never get anxious or I don't go through that stuff, like I think that they're probably lying. You know what I mean? And and. <laughs> there's sort of that like pushback to, cause you don't want to be like you said, I guess judged is I, we're like so afraid to be judged. And I think this social media, um, it, it's it, the social media, uh, environment that we live in now, it can be really good to share these types of things and these experiences, but it's also, again, opens up kind of the floodgates for judgment as well. So it's kind yeah. of, that, it's kind of that double-edged sword. Exactly. It has its good and bads. Hmm. Definitely. Uh, so the did tapes, as we mentioned, talked about a little bit earlier, it's out now, uh, stream it guys in the uh, link in the description. Uh, you mentioned too fast was your favorite personally. Okay. It's hard for me to let go of Hills because I love that song <laughs> so much, but if you want to take Hills out of the equation, I like brainless a lot. I yeah, love how um, just kind of wavy it is. And oh, oh, I love that song, man. I can throw that on. I am just picturing myself now this summer on the beach, just blaring that shit or driving down the driving down my windows down. That is that is going to be the my, my summer song for sure. Yeah, I was super excited about how uh, Brainless went, especially the way we pushed it. I mean, it's definitely one of my favorite songs on the project, but it's also very different than anything else on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was super fun making it, too. It took about two days to record but yeah i sat on the beat for a couple weeks because i didn't want to like put anything too i I just want to take my time with it just be patient with it and just figure it out definitely definitely who who did the guitars was that you yeah (laughs) that was sick man good good shit i love that those guitars man for real that was that was hell of a project uh song i should say that was that was hell of a song what do you so now that the Dita tapes is out and it's finally starting to kind of settle in, I guess, with people? Um, I hate this question because you just dropped the project, but I know you're still, as most artists do, they're still working on stuff. So, what do you what are you still currently working on? Um, and where do you think your sound's going to go from here? Or are you going to maybe sit in this sort of genre blending indie indie pop type of uh, sound you're in? Um, what what I'm working on right now is just more music honestly i just want to make as much as i can right now because i'm just in this kind of uh i have a lot of momentum and i have a lot of motivation because of that momentum and um yeah just pump out more music and then the direction i want to take it really depends on the day to be honest with like whatever i'm listening to at the moment right now like i said it's been like the neighborhood and stuff so um probably that similar direction i'm not it's not going to be a carbon copy but it's definitely going to be something in that realm i guess mm-hmm. awesome yeah i'm excited to hear more from you and i know you just you uh sent me an unreleased track after this so i cannot <laughs> wait to uh to throw it on ex- uh, right after this this episode is, is uh concluded uh there's two questions i have for you before my uh before my final final question but mm-hmm. uh two things i definitely want to cover with you specifically 
is the fashionably early partnership that you have. So explain that a little bit to me and what that's all about. Yeah, so uh, fashionably early is um, it's kind of like a partnership kind of label esque thing that uh, Matt Albin and Kyle. This is really bad that I forget his last name, but they uh, they're the co-founders, and it's just they push smaller artists, and it's been amazing the things they do, and they partnered with me because they believed that my music could reach more of an audience, and it worked out better than I could have ever expected. I appreciate their support and help with everything every day. Like I text them all the time about it, but um, yeah, it's just been really, they're really helpful for independent and smaller artists. And they like kind of break us through to like the industry portion of music. Well, I think in, in a sense, it's very important to have that push, even if you don't have a label behind you, you know what I'm saying? Like to, to still, again, like, like we talked about a little earlier, like making like uh making your community right and helping out like helping each other out so that's great i mean hey well we believe in you too man so we're gonna push you as about as far as we can take you as well but i i think that's again i think that's a, just a testament to you and your your music and how it's resonating with people and that's that's why you're sitting in front of us right now because or in front of me i should say because uh, I've, I've just genuinely been following your your music and i just really it, it's it's something that i really truly believe in as well and it resonates with me and i i think the sky's the limit for you and anyone listening to this right now i guarantee dev soder is going to be a name that you're going to remember and you're going to be hearing about over the next couple of years i can probably guarantee you that uh the other thing i wanted to quickly talk to you about that i think is really cool that you're doing is uh coffee break so <laughs> tell me a little bit about coffee break i know you're laughing because you're like oh crap this, he's, this is the this is the the one question i didn't want uh talk to me a little bit about coffee break man i actually jumped in on one i think you yeah. were with i think you were with north xc uh, xix i almost said xcx like charlie <laughs> i must have mixed him and charlie xcx together no <laughs> that'd be but, a cool uh, of charlie and north but um yeah coffee time um it's basically just a place where i just talk to artists or just talk about any like recent events that have been going on but mostly it's for uh just artists to come and talk with me and it's kind of like interview-esque style but it has its own personality to it i mean like with north i was just we were just talking about whatever got brought up and we were like answering questions that people were um posting in the comments of the ig live it was just it's a really cool place just for anybody how um how often do you run coffee time? Is it coffee time or coffee break? Did I did I fuck that up? Oh, it's coffee break. It's fun. Um, <laughs> same thing. I mean, uh, it's every Wednesday at three p.m. Uh, it's we Eastern Standard Time. We have a different artist on every week. We had a uh, North. I actually skipped last week on accident. I completely forgot because I was just running around everywhere. But um, yeah, next week we're gonna have Bruce and Monty on. They're two uh, awesome. They're two artists that I've just have been listening to a lot lately. They're really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well guys, make sure you uh, tune into coffee break <laughs> with Dev Soder at 3 PM on Wednesday, Eastern time. Make sure you tune into this. Like I said, I tuned into one and uh, I was presently surprised. It was cool. You guys were just playing some music and shooting the shit. Uh, really, really cool to don't jump in on one of those. I'm, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to dive in on some more Dev Soder. You've been a fantastic guest, man. Thank you so much for all of your time. You are not done yet. My man, we have our final question, the question that we ask every artist that comes on this show. It's the dream song scenario. This is my favorite. You'll you'll enjoy this one. So you can create a song, okay? And it can be with any artists, dead or alive. 
you get three guest artists and you get one to two guest producers. Okay. So it's your song. You can compile it any way, any way you want. Okay. But you get three guest artists, one to two producers who is on Dev Soder's dream song. Take all the time you need. Oh, this one's going to be difficult. Um, off the top of my head, producers, I would want Prince. Ooh. And I would want probably for producers, I would go Prince and Tyler, the creator. Ooh. Uh, for artists, I would go Dead or Alive, right? Dead or Alive, brother. Uh, David Bowie, Jesse Rutherford, and Anthony Cadis. Oh, wow. I did not expect any of those. That's great, though. That would be the weirdest song ever. The weirdest it, song ever. With Prince on production. Prince on production. And Tyler the Creator. And Tyler yeah. You know who would actually love that? You know who would probably have a field day with that? would be Tyler the Creator. Yeah. <laughs> he, he would, yeah. That would be the weirdest song ever because I don't think, besides David Bowie and Jesse Rutherford, I don't think any of them would mesh that well. I mean. No, no. But. No. They're all like my musical influences, so I mean, I feel like that would just be amazing to see how they all work together in the studio. So that would probably, yeah, definitely be my favorite. That would be my dream scenario. Yeah, and then, like I said, Tyler, because granted with Flower Boy and, of course, uh, Igor, he's definitely gone in sort of like that, like older, old school, like 60s, 70s, like style songs. And so that's why, and and, and he listens to everything. Like he yeah. he's very like well-versed. I know he seems like his image is very much kind of like quirky and all over the place, but he loves that kind of stuff. And that's, that's just an interesting group of, of artists. That would be, that would be heck of a song, I think too. Damn. It would be so weird. Imagine Anthony Cadis doing his like little, not little, like his alternative rap-esque mm-hmm. like flow over some Tyler production and then like have Jesse and David Bowie singing some type of hook or bridge. That would just be. And then your, and then your vocals just to tie it all in and print. Yeah, exactly. And, and Ty- Tyler and Prince on the boards going back <laughs> again. It'd probably be a dream come true for Tyler to work with Prince. So I would, it would, I would guess that. Right. <laughs> I mean, in that dream scenario, I would just want to watch, but I mean, having backup vocals would be super cool too. I mean, <laughs> it, it's supposed to be your song and you're going to take backup vocals. <laughs> I would be, I'd be so down to do backup vocals, but I'll put a verse on it too. I mean, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Hey, that sounds like heck of a dream song, everyone. And, yeah. uh, I would, I would definitely, I would definitely hear it. It would be, I think, an instant classic. So, uh, qu- quite, quite the group. But that, yeah. that's, that's the fun of the, that's it's so many. It's so funny how many people come on this show, and they're like, oh, I don't know how this would mesh or how this would work. But I'm like, it's your dream song scenario. Mm-hmm. That's the whole fun of the dream song scenario. It's you can make it however you want. Who cares how it's gonna sound at the end, right? Mm-hmm. It's if you put on. I feel like when you put on artists of that caliber, they'll find a way. That's that's oh, sort exactly. of like my thought with it. Even if they're, the genres don't mesh, they'll find a way. Yeah, because they're like sonically just amazing, all of those artists. So it's it's inevitable that it's going to be a hit. I mean, just those guys. Oh, <laughs> that's definitely the dream collab. That sounds like heck of a dream collab. So, <laughs> Dev Soder, everyone, thank you so much for being here, man. I am thrilled to have you. I'm so glad we finally were able to do this and chop it up. Uh, of course, the Did It Tapes, like I mentioned, out on all streaming platforms linked in the description as well so go run that up for this man 
And uh, this is your chance to plug socials and website and all that good stuff. So uh, I'll, I'll leave this last part to you, good sir. Where can, where can the people find you? Those people that are fans of us that you should already be on to him by now, if you, especially <laughs> if you heard our top 20 Massachusetts songs. But in case anybody's coming on this for the first time, where can they uh, follow Dev Soder? Uh, yeah, first off, I just wanted to thank you so much for having me on here and the support. I mean, I appreciate you more than you probably know, and it means the world. But um, for socials, um, Dev Soder everywhere. Just that's my name on everything. Perfect. Awesome. Man makes man, man makes it easy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure hey. people can find me. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. You don't want like six V's right in dev or whatever, or three R's. No, I, I, I hear you. Um, <laughs> awesome. And you are welcome. Seriously. I am, like I said, I'm just a huge fan of your guys's collective and what you're doing uh, in this indie scene, I think is really, really special. And I think we're going to be looking back new years from now and looking at you guys as a really just incredible group of human beings and, and artists. So, uh, you know, we, we've, we have, we're definitely going to get more of the, uh, of the Atherlace collective on here, I'm sure at mm -hmm. some point, but, uh, so far so good. We got, we got the, the, the lead man, Tyler Donovan, <laughs> we've had China blue and next is uh dev Soder man. So awesome. once again, if you are a fan of dev Soder, just coming on to us for the first time, make sure you check us out. Follow us at turntable teachers. We're on Instagram. I don't really do the TikTok thing that well yet, but we're on TikTok. I'm working on it. Okay. People I'm working on it. Uh, subscribe to our podcast streaming uh, services or YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button for us it really helps us out. Really appreciate that. And then head to head to our website, www.turntableteachers.com. Got a lot of really awesome blogs and content up on that website as well. So make sure you subscribe and, and follow us if you, uh, if you liked this episode and Dev, once again, thank you so much for a fantastic conversation and uh, we look forward to hearing more from you and uh, supporting you in the near future and beyond so once again thank you very much for your time thank you so much i appreciate it of course you're welcome all right and without further ado i'm mike this is dev soder with the turntable teachers and class is officially dismissed Thank you.